This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Then, then he said the word, you, you can't do it anymore. Like, you, you need to look at something else. I just broke down. What three wrestling matches would you watch while stranded on a desert island? That is the question I am asking star of Pro Wrestling Eve, Charlie Morgan. My name is Tom Campbell. Thank you for joining me on Cultaholic Island for another episode of Desert Island Graps. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Yourself? I'm all right, thank you. What a, what a weekend for you. So it was just a, if still only really in the grand scheme of things, a couple of hours ago at Pro yeah. Wrestling Eve, where you turned all the heads. It was uh, the big surprise, the big reveal of the gambler, and it was yourself. <laughs> Explain how it felt walking through that curtain for the first time in so very long. Uh... You know, it's a really indescribable feeling. I was obviously super nervous and there's that little bit of self-doubt that it's like, oh, are they going to remember who I am or not? Like, are they? I can see the Tron like, like on the other side and uh, obviously the, the cards were being laid down and you could hear the rumbling of the crowd and then the ace got slammed down and there was a little bit of a pop then when people thought, oh, could it, could it be, could it be? And then when they saw my eyes, that was like the next sort of bigger pop. That was the one that really got me. 
I'm sure some people may have seen the video of me backstage and I'm like, <laughs> because I just, I just did not expect that reaction. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was just, I, yeah, the, the adrenaline just, you know, absolutely hit, hit, hit the roof and I just, yeah, I went nuts as you could, as you could see, but. When that, it, when that pop hits, when that pop hits, like what's the overwhelming emotion that hits you? Is, is it, and are you saying like you're worried about whether they would remember you? Is, is, is it relief more than anything? <laughs> Thank goodness someone knows. Thank you know, goodness. <laughs> um, did you, do you know the funny thing? My, my, my mum and my sister, and my, my stepdad were, were in the crowd and my sister texts me. She's been to a bunch of shows. And my sister texts me and she was like, is any, does anyone, is anyone going to know that, that it's you <laughs> and I text her back saying well at least you do there's <laughs> one um, person that could just shout it if need be <laughs> it'll just be the girls on the back you know <laughs> um no no so yeah probably a little bit of like oh phew, phew, they they do remember who I who I am and, and they and it sounded like it sounded like they did want it to be me um at least you know the majority of the people there that night sounded like they wanted it. Want, uh, they wanted the gambler to be to be Charlie Morgan. Um, and my other thing was like, oh, what if they're disappointed that it's me? But um, I think that's just natural sort of self doubt in in you know any any worker that you know is waiting a, a big return. Uh, obviously, it wasn't all self doubt because I've been training my ass off to get back here, so I was confident in in what I was doing physically and mentally. It's just like that anticipation of like. But yeah, it was really cool. All the training, all the preparation, but let's go behind the scenes on that night. Um, there were travel issues that, that really put the stress on. Because <laughs> it was, if I'm right in thinking, you guys were meant to go out, uh, you, Sky Stoops, were meant to go out before the main event. And, and, and was it yourself or Sky that was struggling to get there in time? Uh, Sky, it wasn't me. I mean, I was... I'm a professional. I'm there all the time now. Jake, but, um, no, yeah, Sky. So, what's going through your head then? Like, where, like, you've kind of in your head, you've kind of got this this meticulously planned, and all of a sudden, there's like this, there's there's a there's a change to it. It's it's wrestling. It's what happens. Like, yeah. So I I got to the show and uh, originally wasn't uh, yeah I wasn't meant to be on then, and uh, obviously spoke to the promoter and Dan. He was like, yeah. You, Probably, we'll see how it goes. But it's looking like you're gonna you're gonna be maybe going on last. I was like, uh, <laughs> okay, um, yeah. Obviously, just makes you more nervous. But the show ran late, as like super late as well. So it was like, oh, it was just all like, ah, uh, like it's not what I need on my first match back. But this sort of stuff happens, you know. I was I was like, oh, nothing, you know. Nothing has changed, really, has it? But, but the, the the love for you when you came out, regardless of all that, was just phenomenal. And we'll get a little bit more into that as we go on. But we're here today, Charlie, uh, to to send you away again, basically. Uh, we're sending you <laughs> onto a desert island, and we're going to give you a DVD, because we're old school, featuring yeah. three wrestling matches that you'd love to watch whilst you are there. So what would you like your first wrestling match to be, Charlie? Um, so my first choice would be Michaels and Take It WrestleMania 25. Now you were there live for this one, weren't you? 
Not for that one. I was the year after. Right. Okay. So why have you gone with with this one over the, the one that you attended live? Um, oh, I think that match just speaks for itself, doesn't it? But just the emotion. I was obviously emotionally invested the, the year after because it was a different feeling because I was there live. But how that captured me um, emotionally that was just like on another level for me um yeah it, the the match was uh, i would say pretty much perfect it was a pretty much perfect match it was a perfect match in my eyes so where were where would you have been when you watched that for the first time um i was just at like a like a mania party down in norwich um with like a bunch of like you know like like myself at the time. Um, actually, no, what? No, I wasn't in Norwich yet. I was, um, I was with a few friends in Cambridge. So I get confused now because there's been so many many parties that I've been to. But yeah, so I was, I was in Cambridge with a couple of school friends. So I, it was around like I'd, I'd not long left uh, school or college friends. So yeah, and I sort of like, come on, come on, watch it. Like they, they weren't as interesting as me, but. They, even even they were emotionally invested in it as well. So yeah, it was it was it was really cool. With with that match, then if you when you recall that match, we talk about it today. Is is there a moment from that that jumps out in your in your in your mind that you can almost picture happening in front of you? Something that's really stayed with you from that match. They square off. Don't you can see them standing face to face. It's the moment that anticipation of before they lock up. And um, I actually had like an eight by 10 of, of that uh, like shot. The year later when I went over, uh, I was still a fan at this point. I got that signed by Shawn Michaels himself as a fan. So yeah, that was, that was really cool. How was really that cool. meeting Shawn Michaels? <laughs> uh, well, I think anybody who knows me knows that I was a big um, slam Shawn, you know, Shawn Michaels fan is actually for many others, I'm sure the reason I personally got into the business. Um, yeah, incredible. When I mean, I think I was like 17 at the time when I actually met him. I mean, years and years later, I'd then meet him on NXT UK, but like completely different, obviously. I was, I was pretty starstruck, but I asked him because um, I knew that I wanted to be arrested. And I said to him, do you have any advice of what, you know, you could give to to someone who um, would like to be a wrestler, and he he said, "Be realistic of your dreams, and uh, for Christ's sake, don't get injured." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're well, I mean, you fifty percent there. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I did. I, I did my best with the whole injury thing. Sometimes it happens. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. You you say like Shawn Michaels was somebody that inspired you to get into into wrestling. So uh, to, to wind that back a little bit, can you remember the first time that that you saw wrestling? Yes, it was about I was about six, it was a, even ninety seven, ninety eight, something like that. Um, my first like memory was <laughs> the Undertaker hitting Stone Cold Steve Austin over the head with a shovel that storyline was going on. It was like the Attitude Era. That was it. Like, I was like, Dad, can we start recording this? I used to go stay at my dad's at the weekends and he would let me like, 
back to my mum's with this like you know the old VCR tapes and my mum would be like yeah I'd, I'd stick it on at home my mum would be like oh god like what is this you're letting her watch but she could just see how happy I was and was like it's fine she's six it's really in at the minute it's gonna get old she's gonna grow out of it you know that never happened <laughs> was your was your dad a wrestling fan as well, or was he just sort of going through it because he could see you you liked Undertaker hitting Steve Austin with a shovel? Um, a bit of both, really. I think because it was the Attitude Era, it was it was cool. Like it, it wasn't an uncool thing to watch. It was really big at the time, so I think he got hooked like everybody else did at that time. Um, and then obviously, as I started to continue just to still watch it over the years, he still stuck like with me and that was like our thing a little bit um bless him like he still now if I went to his house he has like um like a built-in wardrobe full of old like videotapes and drawings and he made like a cut-out belt for me that I that I used to wear and it said like women's WWE champion and I used to jump on the bed I, I don't know how many beds that I've broken um pretending to like fly around like Jeff Hardy and stuff so um yeah he yeah I used to sort of ask him like as a kid you know oh, can you record this pay-per-view on Sunday night and he'd have to you know <laughs> wake up and and do that for me and he'd pick me up from school the next day and be like here's your tape go and watch it so <laughs> yeah see that's what um fans these days don't realize of a certain vintage it was it was it wasn't a network it wasn't a streaming service it was a, and i was the no. same as yourself it was a cupboard just full of vhs tapes and you yeah. just go oh i'm gonna watch that one today i'm gonna watch that one today when when you started collecting tape or sort of was it did you buy them as well or was it just your, your dad recording them for you if i could get my parents to if i could persuade them to buy me to buy me um them then then yeah oh quite often my mum used to take me to like you know the car boot sales that were like local and there would be tons like for like a pound or, or two pound or whatever and like my I'd be like I oh, want this one this one they'd be like the old in your house pay-per-views from like 95 96 I used to go back at like you know eight years old and just go and watch like all, all these old 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 tapes you know um so yeah, um, if I could persuade my parents to spend um, even more money than they've already spent on all the action figures and all that sort of stuff, um, but you know, as a kid, you don't you don't understand the the you know money and things like that, do you? You're just like, I want this, I want that. <laughs> I was anyway. Before before wrestling came along, what what do you think your parents thought you were going to go on to do? I have no idea, you know, because I was so young getting into it that it's all I ever have known that I've wanted to do there was never like oh I want to be a, a firewoman or you know I want to you know do anything like that it was it was always wrestling and I've never asked them that question actually yeah I've never I've never really asked them that question I think it's always just been like I'm going to be a wrestler when I grow up and that that's it like that dream never never left and I think for my mum, as, as I mentioned, like she was like, well, she'll grow out of it and there'll be something else. And I, and I did start to, you know, build a career in in something, obviously, like not wrestling related, childcare. When I was like 16 and I started wrestling at G1 
just turned 18. Because, you know, if I'm going to be a wrestler, I need, I need money, right? I need, to, I need to pay to train. I need to get there. I need, you know. So I was always like, you know, always had a plan B. It still is a plan B. I still have a full-time job. So, you know, it's, it's just being clever about it. I suppose. So was, was childcare initially at that age, was childcare going to be just the way to sort of subsidize the, the wrestling dream then? Kind of. The first thing I did was learn to drive because I, I, I knew that like it was super difficult to try and get myself into wrestling school. Like Google search wasn't like, I didn't really have access to it unless I was at school. Like, um, yeah, this was in before college, and I used to go on break and try and, like, my lunch break and just try and, like, see where, like, there was a training school. And it was just really unheard of at that time. There was, like, there was one in this place and that place, and I actually stumbled across a training school by accident, like, a few years later. I'll, I'll get to that if you like. But, yeah, and then I was like, wow, I need to learn to drive. That's the first thing, so... Yeah, and then uh, I sort of just fell into childcare, really. I didn't, it was weird, like, finishing school, I was like, I don't really know what I'm doing. I just know that I want to be a wrestler, but I don't know how to get there. But I know it's what I want to do, and I was like, I will do it. I just, I just don't know how. You're you're ticking all those boxes that that you're kind of encouraged to do when you're getting into wrestling, because people throw themselves headlong into it, but then you're also advised, you know, have a plan B. And it drives so you can get to these places, you know, find a reputable school. Because, you know, when you said there about like the finding a school, we were talking at this point, sort of what, late 90s, early noughties. And and the wrestling is still like the Wild West at this point. Yeah. So I left school. I can't even think, you know, what was it? What would it have been? 2008 or seven? I'm nearly 30 now. Um, so, yeah, and I started when I was, like, 17. So it would have been, like, 11 years ago. Mm. So, so, like, yeah, like, 2010, I actually started training. Or 11, 2011. 10, about 10 years ago. Yeah, and- I was just going to say, I, I worked out the other day that I, my actual first, like, training session was... Two, it was May 2011. But if you take away all the injury time of all of that, it's, I've actually only physically been wrestling for about six and a half years. Gosh, and, and the, the amount of ground that you covered in, in less than a decade uh, is, is phenomenal. But, that, but it started when you say you're looking for wrestling schools. Was it, it, was, it, was the, um, it was the Knight family that you eventually moved towards. And as, as wrestling, with, with, with the Knight family, they're, they're, they're famous over here in the UK as a school. Um, what had you heard about the Knight family? And what did you learn about the Knight family when training with them? So I stumbled across this training school. Like, I, this is the thing, I hadn't heard anything. I knew nothing. Um, I didn't know if they had a reputation or if they did what it was because I just wasn't knowledgeable. I was very naive. I didn't even really realize that female wrestling existed in the UK. Like I, I didn't I didn't know um, until I was at a local show and, and saw it. And I was like, oh, so wait, 
female wrestling like happens here like that's literally how naive i was about it i was like 17 or something um yeah Do you remember then, who that was that you saw wrestling at that age yeah was the was, first uh, women's match yeah so can i rewind a little bit and just say like how i even got to that show because please like, do please yeah. do so i was like yeah seven 17 and then do throw the the night question back at me because i don't want to i don't want to feel like i'm skipping it no no um so I was like, yeah, like I said, 17, obviously I'd just started working. So I was like, I'm going to, I need to open up a savings, uh, like, a, like a bank account, right? So I go into the bank in Cambridge, have an appointment. Yeah, sure, sit down. I'd just done some shopping. Um, and uh, Ben Old, the promoter Ben Old, who used to run Southside, didn't know him at the time, but he was opening up my bank account. <laughs> and on my lap, was a Power Slam magazine. Was it Power Slam? I believe it is. Wrestling. And uh, he sort of peers over and goes, um, do you like wrestling? And I was like, yeah. He was like, I have two tickets. If, like, it's my first show. I'm going to run. It's called Southside. He was like, do you want to come? I was like, yeah. I was like, oh, my God, yeah. Like, I was like, what, like, in Cambridgeshire? And he was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't remember. It was either St. Nits or St. Ives um, in Cambridgeshire. And I was like, oh my God, like, it's that local, like, it's that close. So I was a Cambridge girl. I was, you know, born and bred in Cambridge. Um, yeah, so I went uh, with my boyfriend at the time. <laughs> That's how long ago it was. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I went with him and, um, yeah, it was just like, wow. And then on that night, I saw, at the time, Britney Light versus Sweet Soraya. And um, I still wanted to be a wrestler. Like, I still... Wanted to be, I just I just hadn't worked out how I was gonna I was gonna get there. So when I was watching that match and that show, um, I went. I was like so nervous. I was like, I need to go up to like one of them and try and like figure out how it is. Like like how did they start? Like where did it come from? So I plucked up the courage just to speak to uh, Brittany Knight and was like, Do you do you train? Like you know where you know please tell me about it. Like, can you train me? She was like, yeah. So there's a training school in Norwich, WW, if you want to come along, it's first weekend every month, yada, yada, yada. I took the number, I, I went off, I went and trained for six months, like in the gym, got myself physically fit and arranged to, arranged to, to, to go up to train. But I didn't I, know. What I love about that whole thing is that when you, obviously to, to, it's an amazing story to say like, uh, ben from Southside uh, was the guy who opened my first bank account with me and gave me tickets. Like, but take that, take that at the time, in the moment. There's a weird thing to go. Hey, the the guy at the bank just gave me some tickets to a wrestling show. Yeah. <laughs> was was there a bit like a was was it a bit of a a case of hey, what's that about? Was there a, was there an uncertainty about the man in the bank giving you tickets? Or was it no, just, you were just so just keen like, just to see wrestling nearby? You're so like, happy. yes. I was very naive. Mm. <laughs> very, very like naive at that time. I was young. I was just going with it. I was like, well, he's not like, he had leaflets to be fair. <laughs> like, you know, he had them on his desk. I didn't notice that. I think he pulled them out actually and put them on. He was like, here, take, take this and take this. And I was just like, oh, but yeah, like, internet i mean it, we're only talking 10 years ago but yeah the internet has advanced so much and there's so much more you can do and see on the internet now than 
than you could 10 years ago. So I found it really difficult when I was researching training schools. Like I just, like nothing come up. WAW didn't come up. Um, so yeah, I think like, uh, I started to search them when I was at school and then went off and started to just try and do bits and pieces like, you know, drive and start working. And then I obviously stumbled across it. I don't know what I would have done if I hadn't stumbled across it. I mean, I would have figured out a way to get into the business another way, I'm sure. But yeah, just it was like it was meant to happen. What was your what are your memories of your first day at wrestling training? Nervous. I was super nervous. One of the first like I you know, met everyone, said hello. Like you don't know how you're meant to act or 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 be, or you know, there's unwritten rules that you don't know about, and it's just like you know, am I meant to sign anything? Like what, you know, <laughs> um, but Soraya, um, you know, was like, you know, Paige was like, okay, so we're gonna do bumps. And I was doing back bumps and stuff like that. And she said, um, how, do you feel about, how do you feel about doing a front bump? And I was like, yeah, sure. Like, I'll go for it. And she was like, you just want to go for it? And I was like, yeah. And she obviously showed me and she, you know, was like explaining how how you do it and I was like I'll just go for it I was like because um you know I prefer like just to do something rather than stand there and psych myself out about it I did it and I landed and I remember she looked at, at, at Rick her dad and she was like you've been in the ring before haven't you and I was like no I, I generally haven't and she said you've done that before like you haven't that wasn't the first time you've just done that and I was like, no, 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 it really was. Like, I promise it was. And she was like, get the fuck out. As in, like, in a, in a, like, you know, like, get out. Yeah. And I, and I, and I got out of the ring and, and, and Rick, the, Ricky Knight come up to me and he was like, like, you've never got in the ring before ever. And I was like, no, this is literally first time, like five minutes ago. And he was like, wow. He was like, yeah, you, uh, you, you got something about you. And then walked off. <laughs> so the train, the, yeah, the, the, the first training session was was what I could hope for, you know. Um, it's amazing that you took to it because uh, because you hear stories of people who say that it it would take them months, maybe years before they could finally crack some of the basic stuff. But the fact that the, the Knight family were almost, I suppose, with Ricky as well, who's who's so poker faced with stuff. Ricky almost kind of go, like knowing how good you are and going, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> like having to push that down. So, yeah. so with, with the spe- the pace you were going then, like you'd already you were already getting the, the the knack incredibly quickly. How long was there between your first day of training and your first legitimate match? So here's the thing, right? And here's where I wish I I was had more like savvy about me um, when it came to the nights and things like that and the, and, and the way that they did things and stuff. So I literally got thrown in, in a match the next month. It was a, it was, it wasn't just me. It was like, uh, I don't know, like a free on free or, or something, some sort of, um, we call them clusters, <laughs> some sort of, uh, all get in the ring and do something to each other sort of match. And, um, I was like, I don't even have gear. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, I would literally walk out and I was still this really super shy, like timid 18-year-old kid. Like, I really wish that I was, I, you know, I, I, I found my voice like I have now then. But then, you know, I also think that 
you live and learn over you know and, and you experience things in life that change you and and you know you become the person you say are like say I am now um but yeah I was too shy to ever say anything and, and whatnot I was like I don't even have a name like I don't want to like I'm I'm not ready and there was even though I got the basics like going through training like I could not fathom out how to put a wrist lock on I could jump around and do all that sort of stuff but I was like how the bloody hell do you put this wrist lock on like I keep putting my fingers and thumbs all in the wrong places but yeah I was not ready like I really wasn't but then that was it like once I started doing one show that was it like I, I, I just started doing these shows and I Alex Windsor like my best best friend now like you know absolutely adore the girl like if you ask her like you know I say I was training getting physically fit when we did like the training drills I did we did this race thing and I beat every girl and then all the girls like got a bollocking she was like why is this new girl come in and literally just kicked all your asses um but yeah like she really helped me and like would come over to me and be like are you okay and I was like uh-huh I think so like I didn't know what I was doing I really didn't um they're putting you on such a pedestal and and as you say there like whilst you've whilst whilst you've got that ability to throw yourself into it the basics are still not clicking for you like was no, did that was that was... something that carried on for a while there yeah 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 i'm sure you may know that you know obviously prior to charlie morgan there was a character if you could call it a character a very disconnected character of lady penelope and if you put a picture or, or you know what not of, of Lady Penelope next to Charlie Morgan like you really could not get polar opposite um so I was backstage and I was like I didn't even have a name I don't have any outfit like I got mi mismatched gear from other people and Soraya um so you know sweet Soraya Julia at the time was like well you're from Cambridge so just why don't you just be Penelope and I was like what I was like no I was like that I was like, really? They were like, yeah, you like just be like this posh girl. And I was like, anyone that knows me knows that I'm not like that. Like that. <laughs> I, the... And then, like you know, as time went on, like I, so oh yeah, I wasn't gonna say no. I'd been in the business like three months. I wasn't gonna be like, nah, I'm not doing that, <laughs> especially to them. You know, no, it's, already... they're giving you an amazing opportunity, and you're just you're like, yep, yeah, I'll 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 jump up, yeah. I'll jump up and down on the spot for you if you need me to. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there's also that, you know, bit like in intimidating, like, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like start saying I'm not doing this and not doing that. I'm just gonna sit here and do exactly what I'm told. Um and as time went on and like it was like, well, I can't do anything about it now. I'm just gonna have to be this name. And then there was no connection, like for me, like I didn't understand like the psychology of wrestling and and why it's important to connect with a crowd and why we do the moves that we're doing in the ring like none of that was taught it was I feel like it was just go out there put some moves in a match and and just go back and and that's basically what and I always was wrestling the same people so I never developed I always stayed the same um until you know like uh, you know years later I was like okay like I'm just going to start to be me the name isn't going to suit who I'm going to start to be and I'll just go with it and I remember like 
one of the knights being like, you can't walk like that. And I was like, walk like what? And they were like, you walk like a bloke, like you can't do that. And I was like, well, I'm, and at this point I'd started to be able to be like, well, no, I am. Do you know what I mean? There was rumbling starting to sort of happen where I was like, I think I need to go somewhere else. Um, but yeah, so I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to be me because being the authentic me will hopefully help me connect. Because how can I connect with an audience when I don't even know myself and I can't be myself? Was there a, um, was there a pressure for um, the, the male wrestlers to walk and talk a certain way in the same way as the females with the Night Family? It's difficult to say because, like, I felt like we were quite separated. Um, not that, that was necessarily a bad thing. I guess so, yeah. But I, I certainly felt like, as a female, like, I always wanted, I always had in my mind that I wanted to be this bad, you know, badass sort of tomboy gimmick. I created a character when I was, like, 16, jumping off a trampoline. Like, I would my dad bought me a trampoline and I called myself Jojo or something like that. A unisex name because I wanted, even at 16, I was like, I need to be able to portray what I look like in order for it to make sense in what I wear, how I come across, my mannerisms in order for me to connect. So I got that from like a real young age, but at the same time, when I got thrown into the business, I was like, this is not what, this is not who I want to present myself as because it's not me. Um, so yeah, were there other people in your in in your training group that had a, a similar uh, issue there in the sense that they weren't being given the chance to to use their own voice and find their own way? Um, I can't speak for like everyone. Um, obviously, ev- this is the thing. Like everyone's their own individual person. If you personally don't feel like, hey. I'm not used being correct. I'm not being used correctly, or I'm not where I want to be. But, uh, you know, I, I want to be out there. And I used to see, you know, Viper, Kaylee Riggs. These girls used to be drip fed and, and sort of come down now and then for the wrestle for Bellatrix. And I would see them. I'd see Sammy Jane, Jetta, Erin Angel, and I'd be like, I would think to myself, I can be where they can be, but. I'm just not, I felt like I was not, not given the chance, but I knew that if I stayed in Norwich and continued to work for WAW, I wasn't going to make it anywhere. Mm. I wasn't. And that, and it wasn't until I realised that, that I started to be like, okay, I need to do something about this. I've been here like three and a half, nearly four years. I've, I've, I've sure I've, I've wrestled a lot and I've, and, uh, and I could, and people would come in and say like, you've got a lot of potential. And then they would go off back on the indie circuit and Norwich is very like out the way. So like no, no one's going to pay for you to come all the way to the Midlands or the North or wherever, like just in one single car and pay your exes. Like, like, you know, no, no one, especially when you don't really have a name or anything really about you that's captivating. So I, as I started to understand this, I was like, okay, I need to do something. I need to, I need to get out there because I've wasted, sometimes I would still call it wasted, but then at other times it's like, I wouldn't change it. Would I have liked to have been trepped better? Yes. 
but you live and learn, like I said. Um, so yeah, that's when I, you know, my the ball started rolling, and I started like thinking, okay, I need to, I need to change everything about me. Can you remember your last day uh, in Norwich, like as part of the night family training school? No, do you know what? It was fizzling out anyway because um, there started to be friction. I think they knew that I wanted to leave and they were very much like, um, it's like a very cultural thing, I feel like there. Like if you're here, you're loyal and you stay here and you go nowhere else mm. unless, you're, unless you're a part of the night family. That's how it, that's how it felt to me. When I started to work for other promotions, I felt like I was doing wrong, even though it shouldn't matter. You know, you don't, you don't like, you know, constantly shop at Tesco's and Tesco's turn around and say to you, well, you can't shop at Aston next week because it's not how it works. <laughs> Maybe it'd be funny you know if they mean? did. I'd quite like, I'd quite like that. <laughs> somebody, somebody yeah. Tesco walking in going, well, we haven't seen you in three weeks. Have you starved yeah. to death? Get out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that's sort of like how it felt. Um, and I felt like it just was becoming a place that I didn't want to be associate with, associated with. At the time, I think, you know, when I first started the first couple of years, I got very wrapped up in it. And then as time went on and I didn't develop or evolve and I felt like I was being held back, I was like, yeah, I need to, I need to go and make some changes and do something about it. Um, I don't particularly remember like the, the the first the first time or sorry the last time that I was about it would have been probably like at an epic studio show um, but I don't remember walking out the venue thinking I'm not ever going back there now it just happened um, I messaged um, Julia at the time and I was like hey so um you know, I'm, I'm thinking that I'm going to drop this Lady Penelope thing like it doesn't work, doesn't make sense. I said, thank you for everything, though. I said, if you want to help me create a new character, please do, by all means. And she was she was nice. She was like, you know, yeah, sure. Like, if let's let's get the ball rolling and let's let's get it started. And um, a couple of weeks went by and I was like, hey, you freed me up. Like, can we talk over this? And there was not really much response. So I was like, well, I've waited three and a half years. I'm not waiting any longer. So I went off over a few weeks and started to piece things together. Eventually came up with Charlie Morgan, uh, went and got a photo shoot in New Gear, like pieced it all together, snapped back, Jersey, you know, obviously the fearless, like fearless and the ace all, all come much later on as I evolve with the character. And I went back to Julia and I said, look, um, here's who I'm going to be. And this is why I'll always work for you. I'll, you know, you've helped me a lot. Um, but it's time for me to go and do my own thing. There's, like I said, there was a lot of tension and friction at the time, but I, I still said, you know, I would, I would still work for you. I never got a reply. And I'd heard through people that, you know, that I needed them and they didn't need me. But if you look at my career since then, sort of said otherwise. And I think I was right in saying that, you know, I knew that if I left Norwich and I left RAW and started to spread my wings, that I would be able to achieve and accomplish things that I'd always wanted to. And if you look at my career as Charlie Morgan in comparison to Penelope, I think it speaks volumes, really, you know? I think there's always a fear that if you, if you leave somewhere where they've given you so much time, that it's almost like you're... It, 
you're disrespecting what's come disrespecting. before. Disrespecting, yeah. But really, it's it's it. It couldn't be further away. If anything, you're giving so much respect for how they've prepped you that you've gone. I actually now need to go and do this somewhere else and grow. Um, yeah. Uh, but but they'll there's there's certain people that will only see it as well. No, if you're not staying with us, then then you're dead to us. Being and, disloyal. Yeah. yeah. When, when really like you're prepping them for, for what's to come. So in a, in a weird way, you not getting those replies back kind of forced your arm to go, okay, well, I'm going to create this because you may have hive minded with, with Julia and made something that still wasn't quite your image because you exactly, had to go and yeah. do it on your own. You, what you had was a hundred percent you. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I just wanted it to be me turned up to like you know a million and I I knew that I would be able to get to the point where I could connect with this audience because that's what I knew it was about and um don't get me wrong like when when I had no reply and a few days or weeks went by and I was like I have no bookings (laughs) I have no reply shit how close were you to how close were you to to texting again despite being no, left on red how close were you to texting again not close at all because I, mm. I I knew that I would be able to all I needed was a chance I needed someone to give me a chance and and there was Dan Reed with Eve so we're going to get into Eve in a moment but we've got to pick another match for your DVD we've only picked one sorry. so far no, don't, don't be sorry. This is this is this is wonderful. This is what this whole thing's all about. We'll weave it in and around. Uh, we've we've had a uh, big WrestleMania match, Undertaker and Shawn Michaels. What would you like your second one to be, Charlie? So another WrestleMania match. Uh, so it's actually the first TLC, I believe, from WrestleMania 17, if I'm correct. Yeah, Edgy Christian, Dudley, Hardys and Dudley. Yeah, 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 yeah. So again, was it was a kid at the time, uh, slightly older now. What year was that? I'm trying to think. That would have been 2001. So you wouldn't have been in, you wouldn't have long been into the fandom still, yeah. really, if you yeah, started watching still, late night. Still, yeah, still, still very much a massive fan. Um, so it would have been like nine or something around here, something like that. Ten, nine, ten. So, um, so yeah, this match because I was just in absolute awe. Like I was captivated. I think it was really at this point where I was like, wow. Like I'd always said, like as a young kid, you know, like kin- like preschool age, like, I wanna, I wanna do that. You know, you're like, I wanna do this when I'm older. But when I was like, I'm, I do remember watching that again on, on videotape, being like, I I actually really want to do that. Because uh, Jeff Hardy was was a big influence for me. Don't know if you can tell in my wrestling. Um, <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, uh, I loved watching that high flying, risk taking aspect. Like that was just something that really, really struck a chord with me, and I just, I just was so in awe by it. And and you know, also at that time realizing what they've just done to their bodies to you know try and entertain the crowd I just found it also like mesmerizing and it's obviously like in my opinion one of the best TLC matches like to date when you watch that like so would this have been one that your dad would have recorded and you'd have watched the next day yeah but it, it was still one of those yeah yeah um did your dad watch that one with you 
He did, yeah. He'd always sort of watch it, like press record, probably fall asleep, and then and then watch it with me the next day. Um, but yeah, like I used to like run around the room, like pretending to get put through tables and things. Like that. I was a very disturbed child, wasn't I? <laughs> uh, but it explains that the match like that kind of gives a lot of credence to to the stuff that you do. And I'm even thinking about Friday. And some of the stuff there, and you can kind of see even even you know twenty years on, like there's there's stuff from that that I think you can you can lean into. What was special about that match as well? And and I think at the time, um, we probably weren't old enough to really appreciate it, but it was kind of like the 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 charge of the the next generation of wrestlers that were coming through. They weren't like yeah. your established stars. They were kind of guys that you'd see a in the early matches that all of a sudden were in were in the center. And I remember that being one of the first times that I'd seen like, oh, these guys could could be main event yeah. wrestlers one day, and that felt quite special as well. Mm. And yeah, a lot of them did go on to, to to take that spot. But yeah, it was just like so many different characters all doing you know different things, but all coming together to put on like an absolutely outstanding performance. And yeah, it was just incredible to me what stays with you from that match what one moment stays with you oh god there's so there's so many um jeff hardy i think uh, doing this one time off 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 the top of the ladder is it was just the extra high one the extra yeah yeah. i I remember i used to watch them with my little brother and we would just go right we we predict that at this pay-per-view jeff hardy's going to die like we yeah. thought he'd just do something that was as he's going to finish himself off. And I remember him going up that ladder. And when you watch it back, it's like he's falling in slow motion. Yeah, yeah, it's and weird. It, you know, sometimes when I when I've done dives like that, it it does feel like that. It's weird. It does feel like you're going really slowly, and then all of a sudden you're like, Woof, it really speeds up right at the end. Yeah. I reflect, you know, how you say that, um, you know, a match like that 20 years on still speaks to you. So we had that spot and you mentioned it there. It was Jeff Hardy uh, uh, diving Swanton style off the ladder. Uh, go back to Friday. You put a ladder up in the venue and you've, and you've in a similar move done that. And this is your first match back in a while. Um, is, was there any, any sense of, of, of trepidation up that ladder? when you were in that moment? No, but when I watched it back, I was like, I really wish I'd gone higher. Wow. But the only reason I didn't is because the, what do you want to call it? Like the ledge was actually only plasticine. It was not brick, it wasn't wall. So like, I knew that if I'd stand on it, I'd probably go through it. Mm. And I didn't know how much of my weight, the like leaning on it would would take yeah i i mean I, you know like i said i, I watched it back and i thought like, oh i wish i'd gone like a run or two higher up the ladder but no i didn't well, I, no you know i wasn't worried about it it was like something that you know i just i just do it I think that says it all the fact that you've been away for 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 a spell and then you without hesitating straight up away we go down we go it's fine um, I felt like, you know, if I was going to do it at any point, it, it makes sense to do it on you know, a, the big return match. Yeah. 
you do it, you do it, and you do it. Uh, but this is um, again, we're, we're we're reflecting on this a lot. This was Wet Wrestle Queendom on Friday for Pro Wrestling Eve, and you mentioned it just there that um, leaving Norwich and and you'd done stuff with Bellatrix as well. You'd started sort of dipping your toe in other places, but uh, but how did you come into contact with 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 Dan from from Pro Wrestling Eve? How did that start? So. Dan had actually seen me on a Southside show. I managed to, to get myself on a Southside show when I was Penelope and I wrestled um, Alpha Female. And he was there. Um, so this would have been maybe 2012 or 13. So again, I, I think it was maybe 2012. Did you still have the same uh, bank account at that point? I think so, yeah. That's a fun little history footnote. That's a nice little historical. Still got the same sort code you gave me that you're now paying money into. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. But he so was at the South Side, but, he was, but Dan was at that show that you... Yeah, I, I don't know if he was working alongside with South Side or he just happened to be there at that time. Um, but I, I was wrestling Alpha Female. It was a short match, nothing crazy. But he was there. It was the first time I met him. Um, and I, I knew of Eve, obviously, um, and he come up to me and he was like, uh, yeah, I introduced it, uh, himself. And at this point, I'd only been in the business about 18 months. I didn't, I didn't really know him well at all. And he just starts to sort of critique me on, on this match. And he was like, I don't, he was like, I don't get it. I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't get what you're trying to do do in your character and I took offense to it because I knew he was right but I was like 18 19 and even though I sort of knew what he was coming from I also didn't want to hear it at the same time you know mm. it was it, probably immature and looking back probably not as respectful in listening and taking on his advice as, as I should have been because I felt like I was very much no no the knights know what they're talking about. Like it's it's fine. Like I I know what I'm doing. I don't I don't need anyone to try. Even though like deep down like, I knew that, you know, he was probably right in what he was saying. So he had that conversation with me, and then I, I never saw him until <laughs> until I um until I actually debuted for him. You know, many many years later. So I reached out to him, um, and said, look, I've you know. What, what year would this have been? Early 2017. So many years later, I reached out to him and said, look, you know that thing that we spoke or you, you advised me on about six years ago? Well, I finally did it. <laughs> and here's Charlie Morgan. Here's a picture. If you'd like to book her, please do. Um, and he was, he was like, okay, I'll give you a shot. And he was like, come down, May. I think it was 21, 20th and 21st, something like that of May 2017, he was like, okay, I'm gonna put you against Chris Wolf and Kelly Ray. He said, if you can do good in that and you can prove yourself, then I'll catch you after the show. And I was like, oh my goodness, like, geez, Kelly Ray and Chris Wolf all in like two, two, like, you know, one night and night two sort of thing. And he came up to me after, um, after both of the shows and he was like, so um, here's, here's the next year's worth of bookings. I was like, Oh, so yeah, I was chuffed. I was really, really, really happy. So would that have been the first time you working with both Kaylee Ray and Chris Wolf on that on those two days? Chris Wolf, yes. Kaylee, Kaylee Ray. I get someone I 
massively looked, you know, especially looked up to in my, in my younger, in my early career. Um, I've done a couple things with Kaylee, but not as a singles. As first, like I'd, I'd only ever done stuff when like, I don't know, we did like a four way down at Bellatrix or something like that. But yeah, first, first singles I did with her. So how long was it then from, from, from Dan Reed saying, right, here's, here's all the bookings to, to them putting you in the main event and, and making you the pro wrestling youth champion. How long was that time frame? So I debuted in May to uh, 20, um, it would have been a year because, mm. because uh, Russell Queendom was May 2018. So a year, but, I got injured with my collarbone and had three or four months out. So I wasn't wrestling for three or four months of that 12 months. So, and also had to learn extremely quickly. Like I wasn't naive in the fact that I had a lot to learn and these girls were all up here and I was pretty much here. And I, and I knew that I, I had to just put in the hours and, uh, and I did, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd drive up. I still lived in Norwich at that time. Um, I used to drive up to London and train, um, when I could, you know, turn up early to shows, get in the ring with these girls that were a much higher level than me, because training with girls that are, are the same level as you, you it's gonna, you're going to make it more difficult for yourself to progress if you're just in there with the same people all the time. But yeah, it was like I was tapping at this door for ages and I finally just booted the fucker down and was like, finally, people that like, you know, can really know their stuff and, and are going to be able to to help me, unknowingly help me in ways that they didn't even realise they are. And they did. Anyone I ever wrestled, like at Eve, and started to get my foot in the door in other promotions, progress, you know, Riptide, places like that, Shimmer. Everyone I wrestled was so different and I was just so grateful to have these opportunities to work with these different girls that brought different opportunities and, you know, a different work rate than I was experiencing. And that really elevated me as, 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 a, as a worker as well. And then obviously then, then came the promos and the character side and, and then I started to understand, you know, psychology and the importance of it and why you do things a certain way and, and you know, moments. And, like, you know, it really did... It was, it was hard work and really daunting at times and the pressure leading up to Queendom 1 was just, like... I felt like I was going to have some sort of panic attack. I didn't, but I felt like I was. Was that the pressure you'd put on yourself? I think so, but also, you know, the biggest the biggest all-female show in in Europe, you know, to, to date, I believe, was Russell Queendom 1. It would never been done before. And to say that I was literally going in, into the main event against Sammy Jane, who is an absolutely outstanding worker and I, and I think doesn't get, get enough credit, um, you know, going into probably the biggest match of my career, I was shitting myself, but I was, you know, I wasn't unconfident. I was confident. It was just the pressure of, of the whole thing. And then obviously, yeah, the pressure that I put on myself as well. I didn't want the girls in the back to be like, she shouldn't have been in the main event. But 
luckily after the show that's not the reception i received which is good did you feel like there was a bit of that or because because pro wrestling eve um does come across and 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 so much was said about this on friday just comes across as just the warmest environment to be in just the most accepting most supportive environment but did you feel that them that there might have been a bit of that talk about somebody so young being in the being in the main event i don't think it was that i was young i think it was like she's literally only been out on the circuit and experiencing this next new high level for a very short amount of time like it's more it was more of the question like is she ready and is she the right person to put as the next and the new you know Mm. uh it was more that i think that was questioning some of the talent's mind and and they were completely within their right to to do so because it's not just themselves they're looking out for they're looking out for for the brand and and the future and and are we going with the right person um so and i did feel it a little bit um and and it was very natural to feel and be spoken of because they were absolutely you know if they were thinking it or saying it they were absolutely in their right mind to do so i literally debuted in may broke my collarbone the next month came back four months later and then and then what five, six months later, was put uh, in the main event at York Hall. So I had big shoes, like, you know, to try and fill f- from from previous main events. So I, and, I, and, I, and I sort of did feel like, not that I didn't deserve it because I've worked so hard to get there, but I, I felt, I even questioned myself. But then after the match and how well received it was and I, and I knew that I'd done well um, and, I, and I'd done a good job I mean there's always things that you would want to do better of course uh, but I was I was happy with it um, and yeah and it was well received by by the locker room as well and so yeah it was it was a really feel-good moment. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems, too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.
trying to go with that snidey comment? What do you think? I'm scared to fucking say it? Do you think I'm gonna shy away from the fact that I'm gay? Um, promo of of your of your time of pro wrestling eve is is where you came out in the ring and it, it stands up as, as just an amazing moment from the history of, of pro wrestling eve that, that as you said at the time just shows the, the amazing love and acceptance from there uh, how long had it been since you had had come out had you always known that you were gay or was that something that came a bit later on? Because obviously you had a boyfriend, as you said earlier. So, <laughs> I mean, I mean, if you, if you did, that'd have been hilarious for him, but um, yeah. how long yeah. had it been since you come to terms with, with, with your sexuality? My sexuality. Um, so I personally came out um, in 2014. I probably was starting to get those feelings of like, okay, I don't think, I'm interested in the opposite sex anymore. Probably around 2010 or 11. So that probably was... So I broke up with my boyfriend at the time in about about 2010. Started to then feel those feelings. Um, And then I just suppressed those feelings and pretended that they didn't happen because it wasn't normal and it wasn't okay and I was weird to think those things and Charlie Morgan saying all this Charlie Morgan saying all this sort of stuff now just seems absolutely like mad and me like you know saying this stuff now and how I used to feel is sad so I'm sad that I used to feel that way but I did um I then got a my my, uh, yeah first girlfriend um and uh was like 
slowly started to be like, okay, well, I can't just pretend this, I don't feel this way and I can't pretend that this isn't happening because it is. And if I don't start to tell someone, I'm going to be an incredibly sad, lonely person um inside inside here is what I meant by that um so I was seeing this girl and um in Norwich and uh, I went back home to Cambridge uh, a couple of like literally a week later and I and I said to all all um individually my mom and then my sister and my, and my dad so um I'm seeing someone um I think I think with my mum I took her to the pub and I gave her a glass of wine and I was like, um, oh, I've got something to tell you. And she was like, okay. I was like, I'm seeing a girl. I, was, I, I think at the time, I, I think I probably said that I was bisexual, but I think it's because it was easier to say. Saying you're bisexual is a bit of a gateway, isn't it? It's, it's kind yeah. of a, a halfway house to go yeah, in. Yeah, this house, is... exactly. So I thought it was easier just to say that. Um... And you know what? Like it wasn't until my mum did a, an interview recently for a, like a documentary thing that hopefully will be out soon. Um, and they interviewed my mum, and I sat in the same room with her. And the questions they'd asked her, I'd never, I'd never asked those questions. Then she sat, and one of the questions was, "How did you feel when your daughter came out to you?" And she got really upset. And um, I was listening to her speak, and she said, "You know," she said, "Oh." Um, I'm seeing a girl and um, I, I, I think I'm bisexual and my mum started to cry and I was sort of thinking like, why is she upset about this? She said, and then, you know, my daughter asked me if I still loved her. And, you know, even now, like thinking about, you know, I get tears in my eyes. I'm like, did I, did I say that? Like, did I ask that? And it wasn't until being in that room a few months back and hearing that, like it really, really, upset me that I I questioned my mum if she loved me just because I was interested in the same sex like that's so sad like how can anyone question that like why would anyone change their opinion of their own you know daughter or, or son or whoever you know the, the relationship friend just because they are gay or you know whatever it be um so yeah like completely different now obviously have a completely different perception of it and you shout from the rooftops have you as as you know in the promo you shout from the rooftops to be bloody proud of who you are and don't worry about what anyone thinks because that will eat you up you will lose sleep and you'll lose your identity and who you are and that's what I started to feel like and that's when I was like I need to I need to start telling people and I did Came out personally and then, so came out personally in 2014 and then did the promo in 2017. So. When you when you sat down, just just to dip back to it, when, when you sat down with, with your mum with a, with, with a drink um, and, and told her and then asked her, do you still love me? Was, was, was there genuinely a doubt in your mind that she would say no? As in that I thought that? Yeah. Like it's, when you asked her, was there ever a doubt in your mind that she would say no? I didn't think she was going to say no. I think I just needed to know that she still did, I suppose. Because I suppose I wouldn't have asked her if I 
didn't need to know that she did still love me. Mm. Um, yeah, I think I didn't realise how much that upset my mum until she literally broke down in her interview a few months ago. And I was just like, oh, wow. Um, yeah, it's crazy because that's not the message I give off now. But you, like I said, you live and learn. And, and and not even that long ago, like 2014, and it was still a, even then still a different time to what it is now. Like there's been oh yeah, it's you know, forever it's, evolving, isn't it? It's it's yeah, forever so. And and it would have been so. You, I kind of get why even in 2014 you'd have had those those demons in your head, sort of going just just push it down, conceal, don't feel, just don't react to it. Whereas now, like whilst there is still a way to go it's people now are able to see stories like yours and take comfort from that and go, I can, I, I can tell the world, I can shout it from the rooftops like Charlie mm. Morgan did that time. Um, yeah. In that, in that promo, cause it's the, the, the whole story behind it is, is that, that Nina Samuels is, is needling you about like the, the secret of Charlie Morgan. And then you just come out and just say it. You say what you're frightened that I'm getting, you're frightened that, I'm going to be ashamed to say that I'm gay. Yeah. And the one I, the eye I'm drawn to when I watch that, well, first there's the, the crowd reaction just, just warms your soul because there's like, there's like a gasp, but then applause yeah. and chanting and love. But there is like that, that second where it's just a gasp. <gasps> that must've last, that must've felt like an hour. Yeah. <laughs> it was really difficult to know how to just come out and say it. I wasn't going to come out and be like, okay. Like it needed to have impact. It needed the to fire have... behind it. Yes. And already backstage, I was fired up because I was being told you can't say this word because it might offend this person and blah, blah, blah. And I literally remember saying to Dan, like, how the fuck am I meant to say that this is the point of it, right? Like, how am I trying to get across to people that it's okay to speak about it when I'm being told that I can't say certain words. Like, what's the freaking point in it? And I was like, no, I'm going to go out and say what I want to say. And he was like, okay, <laughs> you go and do you. He was, he, he was agreeing with me. Like, he wasn't disagreeing with me. He was, he was, you, we were just talking about, you know. He was trying to be the, the better obscure company and just kind exactly. of go, maybe lean this way, maybe do it a bit more this way. Where, as you say, the right answer was just to go, I'm going to go out and say it the way I need to say it. And Dan probably just went, all right, I'll, I'll deal with the admin afterwards, depending yeah, on what we yeah. do. It wasn't Dan at all saying like, oh, don't say this word, don't say that word. Um, it, was, it was just like, we were just generally having a conversation and probably riling our own selves up. Like, oh, mm. can we say this coming up? And I was like, no, fuck it. I'm going to just go out and say what I want to say. And there was a moment before my music hit, knowing what I was going to go out and say. I was like, it's like, it didn't really dawn on me. It, I knew how big it was going to be, but I didn't, obviously I didn't know that what the reaction was going to be. And there was like, it suddenly dawned on me that I was like, shit, what if they boo me? Like, what if they, what if I don't get that like applause? And then my music hit and I was like, well, too late now. I'll have to wait and see. Um, it's it's all both, and it's 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 removed emotionally, and I, I'm not sort of comparing the two in that sense. But it's it's almost the the do you still love me question again after yeah, saying it, but on a but to a room of, of people that don't that I don't know. 
yeah but, you know i i need to feel that love from them and i do every time i step out i feel connected to each and every person sitting there um and that's i think why i've had you know people come up to me after and be crying and it's like i feel that what you're feeling right now like i feel that it happened on Friday. There was a fan cartoon. She was crying, and and I felt that, you know, like it's it's so it's a wonderful, wonderful feeling. And saying what I'd said about um, being gay, and I wanted to really get over and stress, like I'm not a wrestler who is putting my sexuality into Charlie Morgan and making it into a gimmick. I am. Charlie Morgan, like the character, I am personally gay. And I wanted people to know that it's okay to say it. Mm. I'm not someone that's, you know, Charlie Morgan doesn't walk out and start doing, making sexual innuendos because that's not progressive at all. Straight people don't do it. So why are gay people gonna do it? Just to try and get over the fact that you're gay. And I think that was misunderstood by some workers across the UK, maybe even Europe, I don't know. Oh, she's just doing it to put herself over. No, 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 no. I'm not doing it for me. I'm doing it for people that's suffering with a sexuality to try and get the message, message across to them that it is okay to speak your freaking mind and it's okay for you to feel how you want to feel and express it. And, and come out and whatever. And do you know what? Like, I, I did get quite a bit of backlash from it, from people. I didn't care because I, I mean, maybe I cared a little bit, but ultimately in the bigger picture, I didn't care because I knew that it would, I, I said to myself, if I can just help one person, then it's worth it. What was the backlash you received? Was it like you say, because people just thought, oh, this is you just trying to make a headline and. Yeah, people were thinking that like, I was doing it for my own benefit. No, I'm not doing it for, I mean, I'm not doing it for me. I, I'm, I'm very grateful that I was the person, I think I was the first ever person to ever publicly come out in a, in a professional wrestling ring, um, as far as I'm aware. Like, I know people had done it and used it as a character, which I don't really believe is progressive because... Surely that's where I'm, people should have the issue. Exactly, right? <laughs> that's like, where the issue should be. It's not, yeah, like, I'm I'm not coming out pretending to hit on women. Mm. Like, that's certainly not what I'm doing. And, and sure, I come out with the, with the flag and then, you know, the flag gets put with my cap down by the side. And, and it's so wonderful to see so many other LGBT supported, uh, supportives, you know, who, who have a little resemblance of, of, of that flag or, or you know, uh, rainbow you know on their gear and whatever it's it's amazing to see you know it's it's wonderful it really is in uh, that just a, one more thing on that promo is that um nina samuels so she's the one that's kneeling you for the announcement when you make the announcement like nina's face is a picture because nina is trying to it she feels like so well. trying to trying to sort of not stop herself from corpsing or from from showing anything that is any, not the nina samuels character um, yeah. And it's it's incredible to watch her just just sort of bite her lip, look away, look around, and it's and it's just because you, you she knows she's in a moment, 
Um, yeah. What were, when you met when you went backstage and saw Nina? What was the first things that you guys said to each other after that? I think we were both like, "Are you okay?" Well, no. Do you know what? I didn't get backstage. I went to hospital because I broke my collarbone directly after. Oh gosh, so that was the that was the day of the collarbone. Yes, it all happened, which is, in hindsight, probably the greatest thing that happened because I made this really powerful speech and then broke my collarbone like that. And I, all the sympathy that a baby face wants. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I'm like, yeah, uh, I mean, it, at the time, I thought it was the worst timing, but in hindsight, it was probably the best. Yeah, absolutely. You bring them up there, you leave them wanting more, you come back and you do your thing. Yeah. But- um, when you, you know, Shawn Michaels warned you not to get injured. Um, let's well, little go. Did he know? <laughs> little did he know that you're on your way to shimmer. Um, I watched a lovely chat that you did ahead of your your debut show at Shimmer, and uh, it knowing how that goes down, it was weird to watch. But going to Shimmer uh, and getting that call, like, did that feel like that was another big milestone? Is that's another big milestone doing Shimmer? Yeah, so I'd wanted to do Shimmer from when I started wrestling with the Knights. Obviously, uh, Sweet Ray was at Shimmer quite a lot when I first started. I knew that Eve and Shimmer were like my two realistic dreams that I knew that I could achieve. Because um, you have to have you have to have goals, otherwise, you know, you're never gonna progress well not the you'll never but it may be difficult to judge your milestones if that makes sense and mm-hmm. um so yeah when I when I finally was able to go to shimmer and wrestle like I was just over the absolute moon I really was obviously like I'd done so much in a very short amount of time from the promo that you're talking about shimmer was just short of two years later and I'd covered so much um and I don't really realize it until like fans say oh you Wembley and then the roll up, oh, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, yeah, geez, all in two years. And then I finally made it to Shimmer. And when I got there, um, he was like, okay, so you're going to go on with Mercedes Martinez. And my jaw was like, wow. I was like, really? He was like, yeah, you're going to co main event. And I was like, what? I was like, me? Uh, so, yeah, it was just like amazing. And the, and the, it's a bit like Eve in the sense of like, I was quite nervous, obviously new girl going in up again, same, same question of doubt. Are people going to know who I am? It's like, it's like the new kid going into class. Am I going to make friends? But I, I'm, you know, I've made so many, um, I met so many wonderful people and it's like, again, it's very much like Eve. It's like a family. They just welcome you in with open arms and, yeah, it's really, it's really nice. And it was lovely to see the reception of the girls um, when, I, when I arrived there at Shimmer as well. But um, I, I, I moved over it and I, and I should have done it really because it's also around this time that um, NXT UK is becoming a thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and, and there was, and it, it, it looked as if like, like as this thing was starting up, you were going to be on the ground floor of that as well. I think... Uh, to to hear your love for Shawn Michaels, surely a, a highlight of all that was was getting to 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 work alongside him. Yeah, obviously completely different now because you that fan sort of gets sort of knocked out of you when you become a wrestler. But also hmm. there's yeah, there's got to be a little element of it because you still love that, you still have that passion. Um, 
so it's completely different to how I, I met him when I was a fan. So then meeting him as I suppose my boss, I guess. Um, so yeah, never was actually fully under contract, but you know, just like the extra stuff. And uh, I did the PC a few times as well. And it was great. You know, no one knew what it was going to be because it was all so new. So um, yeah, I, again, Nina Samuels, we were in a hotel. I think it was the London O2 hotel. Um, and um, no, sorry. It may have been the Royal Albert Hall, which was my first appearance on um, WWE uh, NXT UK. Um, and um, we were staying in, in the hotel nearby and uh, Nina Simons walks up to me. We're in the gym working out and she was like, don't shit the bed, will you? And I was like, and I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, look to your left or right or whatever. She was there. So I was, she was like, yeah, look, look to your right. And I was like, oh, God, like, Joe Michaels was there just, like, doing sit-ups or something like that. And I was like, oh, like, as if. I was like, <laughs> I didn't introduce myself. You know, no one likes to be disturbed when they're at the gym. But then I saw him at the, at, at the venue and just, you know, was like, oh, I'm Charlie, Yaz, nice to meet you. He's like, yeah, I'm Sean. I was like, oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> it's whatever, it's whatever, it's what it is. Yeah, cool, thanks. Um, uh, yeah, no, you just you just sort of like... Yeah, then it's sort of like... And then, you you know, you sort of see these people like, you know, Hunter and, and, and Shawn Michaels and she, all the amazing, like, talent from, from when I used to watch as, as, as a kid, you know, like Christian, people like that, um, sort of just sort of go in and out and you see them walk around. It almost just becomes, like, normal. Mm. Like... It's crazy. I remember being in, I think it was in Birmingham for an NXT UK show and I was trying to work out like the end of the end of this tag match, I think with Zaya. And I heard like the ring bounce and I turned around and Sean Michaels like then started like posting me into the corner and stuff. And it was just like, I suddenly had this flashback of like a kid, you know, like being a like in awe over, over Sean Michaels. And then now he's like posting me in into the corner. It's like, oh, this is pretty cool, you know, <laughs> but a feel good moment. What did you make of that process of, of like how WWE does stuff compared to sort of what you'd learned in the years before? Was there much of a difference? Because you hear people that say that it's a it's a whole different ball game the way they do it. And some people vibe to it and some people don't. Uh, I don't know how your experience was with it. I'll be a brief one. Um. So yeah, I did quite. I did. I think I did two, maybe three PCs, and probably about four different tapings, like different tapings. So uh, over probably the period of like nearly a year, actually, I would say. Um, and obviously, did then you know did my ankle. It was really difficult for me, I think, because I felt like it was my dream from such a young age, and then when I got there. It was amazing. It was absolutely out of this world, but it wasn't how I thought it would be when I, you know, like you have this idea of how you think it's going to be and you get there and it, and it's just like, not how you think it's going to be. Um, but the, the training, like the PC and, and what they have is, is awesome. You know, it's so good to have something like that. But me personally, like the Charlie Morgan character, I just felt like I wasn't able to go and 
be the Charlie Morgan that you see on the independence. I felt like it was a very watered down version of Charlie Morgan. And, and that's what I didn't like about it because I felt like I wasn't able to, a, a little bit like rewind, you know, six years ago, I felt like I wasn't having that opportunity to be the full version of Charlie Morgan. And I didn't want to feel like people were being ripped off considering what they'd seen me go do on the on the independent scene. And then they see me at NXT UK and be like, that's not, that's not Char- the Charlie Morgan that I can see. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yes. Um, and then obviously, you know, my journey got cut short, so. It did. So let's jump back to Shimmer. So uh, you're in the main event with Mercedes Martinez. Um, it's the first night, it's your first night in Shimmer where this happens. If, if I'm right. Yes, yes. Now, yes, now am yes. I right in also thinking this is the first time that that, that you we've talked about this on, on Yeah, so so obviously, yeah, I've never spoken about Shimmer, my injury, or obviously return. Uh, but my injury and Shimmer, I've never spoken about it publicly. I think it was too painful. In here. Only talk about it as much as you as you want to talk about it. Like, Not now, I'm back. So, I'm back <laughs> so, so here we go. Here's all the here joints where it popped. <laughs> yeah. Talk about it all you want. So I had this match. Um, you know, Mercedes is someone that I had looked up to for years. She used to come over for Bellatrix way back when I first started. So I'd known her for a very long time. Uh, so, and you know, her legacy speaks for itself. She's just amazing. Um, so, yeah, to be able to work her in, like, I think it was co-main, was just like, yeah, I was absolutely buzzing. Had a good match. The next night, um, so Dave, praise uh, the promoter of Shimmer, was like, you're going to go against um, Kimberly. Cool. Yep. Like, I know that she's great. Um was really well received to me as well had a good little match and I think the fans thought that that was it I was gonna go home after that because it was there was only one show in the evening after that and and at that point that was meant to be it just those two matches um and then I was going home the next day uh, and the fans like gave me a, a standing ovation because I think like I said that was that that was them saying like that's it now you're gonna go off home and thank you so much like we really appreciate you coming and yeah so I, I actually broke I actually cried like after that match because of the reaction from the crowd that they gave me that standing ovation so when I went backstage I said I said I went up to Dave and I said look I know you that you know that it's Chris Wolf's last tour like retirement tour and I literally was like please 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 can you put me in a tag match or something with Chris so I can get that moment, that one more moment with Chris. He was like, I really don't know if I can fit it in the show. And I said, look, if you can't fit it in, that's fine. Like, I'm just really grateful that, I, that I'm here. About an hour later, he comes back up to me and said, okay, so it's you and Chris, there's Charlie Evans and um, Jessica Troy. I said, oh, great. We go through the match backstage. There's a bit where we all do a dive. Yeah, no, no different to any other match for me, really. I was like, oh, okay, cool. So this is the match that happens in. So the last match that I actually wasn't even meant to have that I begged for, um, just to be in there with Chris, I am climbing up to the top rope 
And already, as I'm climbing up, I'm thinking, this doesn't feel right. And I never, ever go up anywhere or I'm about to jump from anything that I have that doubt. And this day, at that time, I had that doubt. And it was because I didn't try climb up there before the match to, to see it. It was just in that moment. And when I was climbing, I was like, oh, shit, like the, the railing is so close to the ring. I have no room to position my body. And I was meant to do a cross body and it turned into a really awkward. This was me trying to adjust in midair because I'm realizing that I don't have enough space between the barrier and the apron, if that makes sense. Yeah. So as I jump, I sort of do this weird sort of positioning. So it's it's no one's fault it's just one of those things and I land and uh yeah straight away I'm like oh like that is that doesn't feel good and I put my broken foot I didn't know it was broken um flat on the floor and then my my opposite my other leg is like my knees on the floor you know so I try and push up off my broken foot and it and it, I'm like it doesn't work I was literally saying to myself it doesn't work it's not pushing me up like I can't get up off the floor from this kneeling position like I'm stuck and you see me like on camera like I hold my ankle and I'm physically trying to pull it off the floor because I'm like it's just not working it was like someone just cut off like it working basically so uh, I pulled myself up from the from the barrier and I I, I don't think I threw up the X. I think the ref was there. And I was like, you need to get someone. Like, I, I'm, I'm done. And even before saying that, I was thinking, I need to go and do this insecurity thing. Like, can I just roll in and do it? And when I realised that I couldn't actually get myself to stand up, I was like, no. <laughs> I think I just need to accept that I need to go back. And, yeah, and someone come and got me. They tried to get me to do the whole, like, you know, the one arm over one arm over the shoulder and hobble but like I said like my foot like it just didn't work it was such a weird experience such a weird feeling so he had to literally pick me up carry me put me put me on some chairs backstage and I was just clutching at that ankle like god like this is this feels awful like this is not okay and everyone's running around and it's you know it's horrible to see someone like that um so I could only imagine what what some of the girls so was it like was it a was it a was it pain was it a numb feeling was it the, the can, way can you can, remember yeah i can remember the only the only way i can describe it is like the the sort of the sole of your foot imagine like massive like rods like like pins shooting up all the way up into, it literally physically felt like people of like there was about three or four rods being like stuck from the sole of my foot all the way up to like like my shin area. Like that's, it just felt like throbbing, like constant. And then um, I just tried to <laughs> sort of play it cool and not get upset and just be like, okay, maybe it's just a sprain. Like, it does, and then that pain just got worse and worse and worse. And I'd sat there for five minutes and like do we need to go hospital like you know the pain like and I was like no no I'm not going to hospital I was very adamant not going to hospital no it's not that bad I will not make myself go to hospital and the pain just got so bad I was like okay I need to go to hospital yeah it's, it's got to that point where I need to go to hospital 
I went to the hospital and yeah, and uh, they x-rayed it and they were like, it's fine, wrap it up, you sprain. <laughs> Session Moff was there at the time, not at the hospital, but like later on at the hotel. She was like, wait, she was like, Charlie, does this mean that we can't go to Chicago tomorrow? And I was like, no, we are touring Chicago. Uh, yeah, it was it was pretty bad times, but I got some crutches, I got some painkillers. Someone bought me a bottle of Jack Daniels, and I was wearing <laughs> <laughs> I needed something to try and help me forget about that pain. I flew home the next day. Uh, my fiance picked me up at, from the airport with her friend, and I was hobbling. And I remember Steph Delander was at the um, hospital with me, and. I took off my boot. I managed to take off the boot, and it was like it was like an elephant foot. It was horrible. And she, sarcastically, and I thought she was being serious, was like, "Oh, that looks all right." And I was like, "Oh yeah, do you think?" She was like, "No, dickhead, it's <laughs> awful." <laughs> I was like, "Oh right, <laughs> yeah." Um, but yeah, flew home, um, and then I I got on my crutches because. Um, Vicky doesn't Jetta doesn't drive or didn't drive at that time so I got on my crutches and hobbled to the doctors for some reason I had a doctor's appointment that day that was already pre-booked for I don't even know what else now but I obviously went there for my ankle so um I hobbled there it's literally a 30 second walk it took me 15 minutes that day and I was stopping and starting and I was like bawling my eyes out and I don't cry ever like I'm never I never normally get upset when I'm in pain but I was just it was a mixture of like I can't believe this has happened obviously exhaustion from just flying back and landing mm. and then also you know I'm in this absolute agony so he gets there and the doctor was just like he was gobsmacked he was like wow he was like you need to get the scene. He was like, don't go at the hospital now. I'll book you in for an appointment. Go home, sleep. You should get the letter the next day. The two days went by and I didn't, and I finally received the letter and it was like, okay, go the next day. So I went up. So three days have gone by, but this time x-ray came, the results came a couple of days later, nothing. It's like, it looks fine. So they're still saying what this doctors in America were saying. It's just, this is just a really bad sprain. Yeah. And then... It was like probably day six and I, I was like, well, I'm going to go to work. And Vicky was like, Jetta was like, you can't go to work. I work in, like, I, I, so I'm a manager of um, a children's nursery, so I can be office based. I'm mainly office based. I was like, no, I'm going to go work. Uh, I went back to the hospital though and they had to put a boot on. They put a boot on when I did my second x-ray over here um and my ankle had sort of stuck in that position and um and they were like okay so you need to move it from this position to like the 90 degree angle so it could go in the boot and I was like you're gonna have to put it you're gonna have to put it from that position where it stuck to that position and when they put it from that position to this all I literally heard was like <laughs> like crack, 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 crack. And, it, and that was when I was like it's broke I know that it's broke anyway I just got on with it so I went to work and I literally like 
I got four hours into working on the computer and I literally passed out through pain. And oh they were like, gosh. you need to go, you need to get this sorted. So I rang them again. I was like, look, I've had two x-rays, still nothing's been seen. Like I've heard it crack. Like I know it's not okay. And I went home and then they were like, okay, we'll book you in for a CT scan. So Alice, Alex Windsor, you know, my best friend, she come over um, the day or the evening of my, t my CT scans. Like, I'll take you. So we all went up. They probably knew me by name at this point. Uh, did the scan. I got home. I had like three missed calls. Rang them back. They were like, you need to come back at eight o'clock tomorrow morning. Like, it's urgent. So I go back. So I go back again. They're like, you need emergency surgery and you need it now. And I was like, oh, so it's broke. <laughs> I said, what happens if I don't have the surgery? They're like, you'll never walk. Like, again, properly without a limp. Like, you need the surgery. It's already started to heal all wrong. The reason it wasn't picked up before is because it was so swollen. X-ray didn't pick it up. Wow. So the swelling was so bad that it couldn't see the bone that was broken amongst yeah. it. Yeah, pretty much. So that's why I kept saying, like, what? How does it... How how is it not picking up? It's because it was so big. It just, so by the time I had my surgery, it was like 13, 14 days from the day I broke it. So you've been walking uh, around for two weeks on a broken ankle, essentially. Hobbling. Hobbling yeah. around on a broken ankle. Yeah, yeah. It was really, really awful, actually. It was a really bad time. But um, once I had that surgery and woke up, I just felt so relieved because I just wasn't in pain. I'd never experienced pain like that before, ever. And I, my, my broken collarbone, I haven't had a patch on the ankle at all. So once, um, once that happened then, so how long is it until you make, you know, the decisions made that I'm done with wrestling? Had that happened by that point? Because I know when you retired, you had the big boot, you had the, the, the big cast on. On still, yeah. Um, it started, the, those sports of retiring trickled in at the pre-op I sat down with the surgeon and um Vicky and I said you know how bad is it and he said well to put it like this he said if I could give you free bones in your body to recommend really not to break he was like that would really be the top three and I was like why that bone like why and he's basically the reason is because that bone that I broke is like the the, the bone that holds bears all the weight of the body and it doesn't it has no blood flow to it. So I still could possibly like have chronic, like, you know, uh, chronic pain, like the bone could deteriorate um, still um, because it's got no blood flow. So it doesn't heal as quickly. It's, it's just between two other bones and that's what's, so it crumbled, it broke and crumbled and so it started to go elsewhere in the foot. So he was like, that's why it's so bad. Like why it's such a big no-no bone to break so I said well am I going to be able to like walk okay run he was like you should he's like providing you have the surgery and it goes well you should be able to walk without a limp so him saying that I was like oh god wrestling wasn't really in my mind at this point because I couldn't even walk so I was just like well I just want to be out of this pain. I just want to walk okay. It really makes you take things. You don't realise how much you take for granted. Um, and then he was like, he, then then he said the words like, you you can't do it anymore. Like you, you need to look at something else. I just broke down and I was just like, oh God. And then 
you know, I was also battling in my own head with like, forget about wrestling, just get this fixed so I'm able to walk. And then, yeah, and um, I think the aftermath was so bad that I was just like, I'm never, I'd never want to go through this ever again. And I was told, you know, by, by the surgeon that I couldn't do it. So it's a no brainer to retire, right? Now, as many of you know, may not know, I got injured back in the States when I debuted for Shimmer earlier on in the year. And uh, since then, everybody's obviously been asking me, what's the update, Charlie? This injury is way worse than it ever thought it could be. And tonight, I'm here to inform you that I officially announced my retirement. Well, the lines you said there was that uh, was was really poignant, which is, "Mum, you don't have to worry about me anymore." Um, is w- when you to to spin on a bit, like now you're back. Is your mum all right with it? <laughs> Not really. No, <laughs> you can start worrying about me again. I was, you know, I made a joke um, to to the thing I was telling Vicky, like Jetta, um. Should I grab the mic after Queendom? Because she was there and be like, Mum, you can worry again now. But, no, but, <laughs> no, don't do that to her, poor woman. Um, <laughs> she's really happy for me, but obviously there's that part of her that is just like, oh, please be okay. So, I think we all went through a shared experience, uh, well, we did in the last 18 months, uh, where there was no wrestling and there was nothing but but just 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 sadness and social distancing uh, <laughs> it was and and this this brings us a little bit we like to do with the show and i think it's poignant considering that we've all had 18 months of, of shutdown where i also ask my guests um as well as taking three wrestling matches uh if they could take a movie an album and a luxury item what would they be so um during oh, on this du- desert island yeah so if i said you could take a movie maybe one you've you've watched a few times during during uh lockdown and all that jazz what movie would it be charlie um so my favorite it would be my favorite movie i actually did re-watch it in lockdown it's short uh, shawshank redemption redemption uh, a, a wonderful film yeah it's just yeah one of my favorite but probably difficult to pinpoint my favorite film but definitely one of yeah how about an album what album would you take God, that's a really difficult one um oh, i know the cover but i can't remember what it's called uh what's the cover look like we might be able to work something out it's eminem album early 2000s red curtains martian man C- curtain call encore on i think it's encore 
The one where the biggest hit was like Without Me. Yeah, I think that was Encore thing. I can see the I, red curtains. Yeah. I can see that one. Um, is, is Without Me your favourite on the album or is there another bit no, of fried gold on that one. album? Favourite on the album, still love the song now, but it reminds me of... Um, uh, reminds me of my dad, <laughs> randomly. I was young when it came out, but like I had no idea what the lyrics were saying. But um, yeah, I used to just really love it. My dad used to like put it on, like as we we're driving around, and I had these like shades on, and I was I thought I was like I don't know who I thought I was. <laughs> oh, you're Eminem. <laughs> <Diana Bobbing. laughs> yeah, it just brings back it brings back really good memories, and um, yeah, uh, and and the, and the albums, you know, wicked. And uh, how about a luxury item? So this could be something with some some significance to you, some sentimental value, maybe a bit of tech that you, you'd like to have on the island. Um, it can be a pet. It can be anything like that. What would, what would, you, what would you like to take as a luxury item, Charlie? Okay, so um, I'm going to sound like a right sap now, though. It's all right. <laughs> so I have this thing called Raggy, right? Um when I was a kid, and it wasn't called Raggy, it was called a nappy, and it was a random tea towel that I just used to carry around for some reason. And that sort of just developed into sort of late life. It's late, it's basically like a bit of material. It's like a scarf. Um, like a security and, uh, blanket type thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's a really funny picture that I'm going to have to show you of... Um, I, I lost my original Raggy at an Eve show disappeared and Vicky at the time we were not we were friends not together and you know like um when you lose like a cat or a dog so someone puts up a picture of like wanted raggy <laughs> if, if found rewarded um there's this picture of Vicky. I don't know why, but she's wrapped it around her head, like her <laughs> whole head. And she's just laying there like this. And uh, she puts it in this like Eve group. It's like, has anyone seen this? No, I haven't seen it, but this photo is being saved on my camera. Uh, camera <laughs> was it the, the the love and attention for the finding of Raggy that, that drew you and Vicky together? Or was there something else? Uh, so I probably, I first met Vicky actually, she used to come to seminars you know, when I first started. So I knew of Vicky or, you know, for, for, for a long time. And I actually looked, you know, I looked up to her. She was where I wanted to be. And she'd paved the way for so many female talent, you know, before my time. So she was very much someone I looked up to and then knew of her. And as I started to get into Eve in 2017, sort of reconnected, like I'd seen her on shows and she'd come down now and then to Bellatrix. And we always got along really well. And, you know, I, look, I, look, I had that, um yeah I, I admired her and then as I started to get to know her we just became really close like well, really good friends I should probably say um and yeah it, it, you know what? it just sort of went from there I remember thinking like so about we got together like summer of 2018 I think um and before, not long before we got together, like we used to speak all the time and we used to like meet up and, you know, just as friends. I remember thinking like, I think she'd text me or something like, hey, morning, love, or something like that. And I remember smiling and being like, oh, maybe there's something there. And then automatically thinking like, 
no, that's that's that that can't be that can't be right. Like that's that's she's my friend, and like that's not you know. And she'd never been with a girl, so obviously in 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 my head, like that wasn't even an option, you know. So, um, but then it obviously became an option. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, it just sort of happened. Like we just obviously both felt that connection and established that we liked each other and never looked back really. Um, it's funny, someone asked me at, at an Eve show, literally on Friday, I sort of put their arm, I'm not gonna say who, but I put their arm around me and she, they said, so what's your secret? How do you do it? <laughs> I just laugh because obviously like, you know, I suppose like I, I, I'm Vicky's, like I'm Jetta's first same-sex relationship. Like, what do you do? Like, how how is it that you just like you know go and get these? I said, well, if you if you really want something, you just got to go get it. <laughs> and that's basically what happened. <sighs> with um uh, with with Vicky with Jetta like st- still doing stuff in and around wrestling. Even when was the world started to open up, we see uh, pro wrestling Eve getting back up and running. When did conversation start? between you guys that you were wanting to come back? Uh, sorry, what do you mean? As in, like, the, the show just got... Yeah, so, because, because you know, as far as the world is concerned, like, the, the, the door for wrestling is closed for Charlie Morgan and you're, you're pursuing other things. So when did you start thinking, actually, I reckon, I reckon we can do this again? Yeah, so for Vicky, she was always going to come back. Mm. And I knew that. Um there was no doubt in my mind that she would be back doing her thing. And I, I'm, before I realised that I could do it again, I was, I'm not going to lie, you know, I was sitting at home thinking, how am I going to cope with my fiancé doing that? Because it's a hard pill to swallow, you know, you're told that you can't do it and that you got all your loved ones around you, like my best friend Alice and, you know, people doing what I want to do. And, and the woman you, yeah, the woman you love is going to shows on a Saturday where you, you and kind I'm of, at home. You, you just sat there waiting eating you know stuffing my face with chocolate biscuits or something you know (laughs) so um so as we were going into the first lockdown uh, what would have been may 2000 may last year march last year sorry um i had like a physio i had physio regularly throughout and my last physio session stopped because of lockdown on that last session my physio i was i was doing my exercises and he said yeah I pretty much say you're good to go. And I was like, good to go where? <laughs> he was like, back to wrestling. And I was like, what? I was like, you serious? And he was like, yeah. He was a, a physiotherapist, like trained in like dealing with athletics, you know, like people who are athletes. He was like, if you really want it, you could do it. And that was it. The world got shut down. So that was left in my head for 18 months. And the closer and closer it got, as time went on, you know, I was still actively training at home in the, in the, we managed to get some gym equipment and, you know, really focused on that and worked hard and my physio and, and all that sort of stuff. And I turned around to Vicky probably like 10 months ago, maybe 12 months ago. And was like, I'm gonna come back. So I've known for I've known for like ten months that I was gonna like come back, maybe a lot longer, and then started to you know go to actual like go to training and just see how I felt and felt good, yeah. 
And it brings us uh, to to where we began our interview, which is uh, now you're back. Um, what are the plans now? Like, pro, you know, you, you'll have a home at Eve forever. There's no doubt ground you want to make up there. But do you have things uh, on the on the list that you now want to go out and do now wrestling's getting back up and running? Yeah, do you know what? Um, I was speaking to Dan on the phone, figuring out how we were going to get into it, how we were going to announce that I was coming back. And I said to him, and this is how the gambler thing came about. I said to him, or one of the one of the reasons to prompt the gambler thing. And I said to him, look, this time round, it's all or nothing. Like I need to give this my absolute everything and get to the places that I believe that I can be at. Because before, not that I didn't, but I always allowed work to stop me, or I was like, oh, I can't do it. But not, not. I just, I did put my all into it, but not like could off if that makes sense um so this time round, i was like yeah it's all or nothing now and then that was sparked off the gambler idea um but yeah so this time round is different it's like it's different for me because i feel like i actually have a better understanding um of wrestling even though i felt pretty confident when i left i felt i feel like here i understand it so much better if that makes sense mm just from being having that time off and sitting back and almost studying it in a completely different way, how I hadn't before. So I'm excited to see how, you know, how that shows. Um, just making waves, going to places that I've not been yet before, hopefully going back to Shimmer, you know, Japan, um, covering as much basis of the world as, as, as I can and dare I say bigger promotions and companies. You know, you have to have dreams that I feel like that are realistic and who's to see what is to come in the future I guess all or nothing as you said all or nothing it's all or nothing uh we've got one more match for your dvd um uh, we've we've had uh two wrestlemania classics are we going for three wrestlemania matches charlie what's the last one gonna be yeah three wrestlemania matches uh this one's really special to me uh, i believe it's wrestlemania 21 kurt angle and Shawn michaels ah so this is your boy sean and kurt possibly the greatest <laughs> wrestling match uh of, of that wrestlemania sort of in ring just yeah the, yeah the the build to that was fun from what i remember yeah it was it was clever it was really cleverly done i think how they started it from the rumble with the elimination and crossing over on the brands to you know smackdown to raw and it was a, the that was where angle did that you know famous um promo of the um i think my ankle hurts you know the the song that oh sexy kurt sexy kurt the yeah. birth of sexy kurt um yeah really cool things come out of that storyline and then obviously the match was just absolutely next level but the reason that's really special to me is because um i believe it was 2006 so um that match for me was um the turning point of like before so before, like, I was really interesting as a kid and I sort of phased out of it for a couple of years, mm. uh, just like teenager, you know, like I was like, oh, I'm just going to go do my thing. And I, ju I just sort of stopped watching it for a couple of years. That was the match that got me straight back in there and was like, yeah, like I need to start watching this again. I can't believe I've not been watching it for it was only like a couple of years. Um, but yeah, that that was the match that got me straight back in and being like, yeah, I'm 
I'm, I'm just as big as a fan as I was a couple of years back or two, three years ago and definitely what I want to be doing. And yeah, so that's that's special for that for that reason. So it's the match that, that got you back into it is is the way that we end it as you are back into it yourself as well. It seems almost too perfect. Um, we've covered <laughs> we've covered loads in two hours. This a has lot. been it's been honestly so wonderful to chat properly to no. you. And I cannot thank you enough for your time. Um, where can people go to find out all that you're doing and keep keep across Charlie Morgan? So I have um, Instagram, uh, charliemorgan.arrived. Uh, and annoyingly, I managed to deactivate my Twitter account, which is very annoying um, because I lost all my followers, which is frustrating. But I have slowly started to, I made a new one. So my following doesn't seem as um, hefty as it used to be because it's uh, a fresh. I did wonder. Uh, I thought I'd seen you had more, but I thought maybe you just, oh, yeah, you got no, fed up with Twitter and binned it off for a bit and come back. Um, no, I, I, it was an accident. I basically, yeah, something happened where I basically unintentionally deactivated it for longer than intended to, which meant that I couldn't get it back. So I lost all my following. So hopefully I'll, I'll build it back up. But yes, so uh, Charlie Morgan UK uh, is my Twitter handle on Twitter. So you can follow me in those two places where I'll be keeping people regularly updated with where I'm going, what I'm doing and what's to come. And, oh, and my merch store as well. Oh, yeah. Plug, you've got to plug the merch. You've <laughs> got to plug the merch. merch. All, all the merch. So have uh, new 8x10s out um, and the new T-shirt. Um, the definition of fearless is obviously me. Um, so that's on my big cartel, Charlie Morgan, as well. If you can go back in time, to end on, if you can go back in time and see a young Charlie Morgan pretending to throw herself through tables, pretending to jump off ladders whilst watching WrestleMania, and you can give yourself one piece of advice, being the Charlie Morgan that you are now, what would you like to give yourself? Be as fearless as you are, kid, but just assess the jump before you jump. My thanks to Charlie Morgan for joining me on Cultaholic Island. If you enjoyed it, give it a share on your social platform of choice. And for a hundred plus more conversations like this one, head over to Spotify and search Desert Island Graps. 